Good morning, everybody. Today, I'm going to continue our preaching series on Limitless. I don't know if... There it is. Thanks, Obi. Um, and we're using the book of Colossians to do this. This book was a letter written by Paul, who became a follower of Jesus after a, a really dra dramatic encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And at the time Paul wrote this letter, he was actually in prison. He'd been going around sharing what was called the good news of Jesus. And the authorities didn't like this, so they'd put him in prison, probably along with some of his other fellow workers. Paul had never visited that church in Colossae, but he'd heard about the Christians there. They were being challenged by some heretical thinking, that's contrary to what the Christians think, and he wanted to encourage the Christians there, but also address some of the false teachings and direct them to the correct Christian way of thinking. Through the Limitless series, we've looked at limit Limitless Thanksgiving. Sorry, I'm going to trip, trip over this. Limitless. Limitless Thanksgiving, Limitless Hope, Limitless Prayer, how vast God is and therefore how limitless he is in himself. Limitless Salvation, the Limitless Gospel, and last week, Limitless Freedom. But today, I'm going to look at Limitless Love. We've just been speaking, uh, singing, sorry, about how much God loves us. It's... It's amazing, it's awesome, it's just so beyond anything we could even comprehend or understand. I'd love to talk about it. I could revel in it constantly, it's just such an amazing big subject. But actually, the passage today is talking about love between us, between people. In the passage we're going to look at today, Paul is writing to the people in Colossae about how to love one another in their day-to-day li lives and in society at the time. But the basic principles he mentions are invaluable to us today. And I'm going to look at how we can apply these principles to our lives today. Do I just click that? Which one, Stuart? Sorry, which one do I click? <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Do I click that one? Ah, there we go. So, reading from Colossians 3, verse 12, through to 4-1. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... Close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wi all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will be discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the lord as a reward it is not the lord it is the lord jesus it is the lord jesus christ you're serving 
Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. There is no favoritism. Oh, sorry. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you have a master in heaven. Excuse me a minute. <coughs> wow, what a big passage. There's loads I could talk about here. But as I said, I'm going to look today at how we can have limitless love between us. And the key verse is, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them in perfect unity. Put on love. So I'm going to look at how we can put on love, the results of putting on love, and the benefits of putting on love within our relationships. But first, I just want a quick look at why we should put on love. Primarily, we should do it because God loved us first. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we read, This is how God loved us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved us first. He demonstrated this by sending his Son, his one and only Son, Jesus, into the world. Through Jesus, God showed us how much he loves us. He also showed us how we can experience his love and how we should love others. We can experience God's love by accepting that it was Jesus, God's one and only son who died to take away our sins. And it's through this action that we can have a relationship with God again. If we just look at verse um, 12 of chapter 3, it says, We are now seen as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. It's all because of Jesus who, who went to the cross for us, nothing that we've done. Secondly, we should put on love because Jesus commanded us to do it. In Mark 12, verses 30 and 31, Jesus is answering the teachers of the Jewish law at the time when they asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Jesus says we are to love God first. Then second, and only second to loving God, we are commanded to love our neighbors. That's everyone around us. Paul goes even further in his letter to the Romans and says in chapter 12, verses 9 to 10, love must be sincere. Be, de be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Love for one another should go beyond ourselves. Paul says to honour others above yourself. Be loyal, committed and steadfast in your love towards one another. And thirdly, we should put on love as a witness to the world. A world that doesn't know that Jesus is their Lord and Saviour. The world that looks at us and judges us by the words we say and even more by the actions we take. Jesus said to his disciples, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I read this following story which demonstrates just how important our actions can be. It's from an, America, it's from an American, so please bear with me. It's a slightly different language to what we're used to. <coughs> it's written by a guy called John Trent. When I led a young youth group, I did my best to round up the kids who needed to go to camp to hear the gospel. Mark was one of those kids. Bob Mitchell was the main speaker that week, and he called most of the shots, including when meals should be served. 
So Mitch, as he was called, went to talk to the cook quite a lot. The cook loved her work, but she was exhausted. She always looked tired. But whenever she and talked to Mitch, Mitch got up, took his chair, and sat her down on his chair. She had a moment's rest while they discussed meal plans. No one noticed this except Mark. Mark hadn't come to hear about Jesus, but when he saw Jesus' love lived out in this simple action of kindness, he began to listen to the talks. Later that week, Mark asked Jesus to be his saviour. When Mitch asked him about it, he said, it's not because of what I've heard, it's because of what I saw, and that's why I want to be a Christian. The greatest way to reach the people of this world is to show them Jesus by compassion and love, the love we show each other. If we go back to verse 14, it says, and over all these virtues put on love. What's the other virtues Paul's talking about? If we go back to verse 12, it's compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Before this, he actually says, we should clothe ourselves in these virtues. We should put them on. But it's love that encompasses them all. Love is larger than even all of these put together. If you put on love, it's like the top layer of clothing. If we put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, we should then put on the overcoat of love. It's a positive, deliberate action. Earlier in the chapter, Paul tells the Colossians to get rid of certain virtues that used to rule their lives and put on the new ones. Stuart talked a bit about this last week. Putting on our new self is a deliberate and purposeful action. So now I come back to how to put on love. We have to make a choice. As I've said, we have to choose to put on love. It's like we choose to put our clothes on. What shall I wear today? We choose what clothes we should wear. We don't go out of the house undressed. We wouldn't go out of the house at the moment undressed because it's a little bit cold and, and damp and wet. We need to be protected. We wouldn't even go out without our clothes on because it's actually against the law. No, we put on suitable clothes for that day. We put on an outfit that we'd like to wear depending on the occasion we're dressing for. Putting on love each day is like putting on suitable clothing. As you choose to put on love, you make a decision on how to behave in certain situations. What words you'll speak, how you'll speak those words, what actions you'll take. You'll do them in love because you have chosen to put love on. You've chosen to love others throughout the day. Sounds easy when I say it like that, doesn't it? We're constantly challenged in how we respond to situations during our day. So we need to decide to keep putting on love. Keep asking God to help us love others. And then we'll do it in a way that's as loving as possible. We also need to follow Jesus' example. While Jesus was on earth, he showed the disciples how to love others. He demonstrated it over and over again. But still the disciples struggled to understand exactly what Jesus meant by loving one another. How then are we meant to understand it? We haven't actually lived with Jesus as the disciples did. How are we going to know how to love each other as Jesus did? As we saw earlier, he gave his disciples a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This love, the love Jesus went, had went further than any the disciples had ever experienced before. It was deeper, wider, higher. It was even sacrificial. This command to love one another as Jesus loves is also for us today. 
His love is deeper than our innately selfish love that can lead to shallow relationships. Sometimes we set aside relationships just because we don't get what we want out of that relationship. Jesus, however, continued to love in those circumstances. He loved Peter who disowned him. He even chose those to love those who hated him when he went to the cross. His love keeps giving and giving. He committed himself to love. He put love on and kept loving. To be able to put on love as Jesus did, we need to follow his example. We need to do as Jesus did. And the impact of us putting love on will have an impact on those around us. We need to practice putting on love. As I've said, putting on love and acting in love is not easy to do. We have to make a decision to put it on and try to follow Jesus' example. In other words, it does take practice. Now, I work in general practice as a practice nurse. Now, the boys used to think this was really hilarious that I was practicing to be a nurse when actually I was a real nurse. I had qualified. I had that exam. I'd passed it. But yes, I'm still practicing. I'm still doing my role each day at work, but I still come against challenges and things that I, I struggle with. I still have to look things up. I still am challenged every day when I'm at work. It's the same with putting on love. We have to keep practicing it, learning and applying what we've learned in our lives. We are qualified to love. Jesus died for us once and for all, but we have to keep learning from his example. We have, need to continually apply what we've learned to our lives daily because it doesn't come naturally. There needs to be a guard against complacency. Instead, we need to have a desire to keep on gaining more knowledge and the skills on how to love others as Jesus did. So what are the results of putting on love? Well, there's a vast number of results that we could say. There's loads of things that we could say were results of us actually putting on love. But I'm just going to look at the three that are in this passage in verses 13, 15, and 16. And starting with verse 13... Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has an grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Wow. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Two challenging things to do. But the last virtue Paul mentions in verse 12 is patience. Immediately before he's talking about bearing and forgiving, he says, be patient. We need patience to deal with them. But notice here that Paul's not talking to the person offended. He's actually talking to, yeah, sorry. Paul is actually talking to the person offended, not the person doing it, the offender. So bearing with one another. We all have our little blemishes. And we can all do something that grates with someone else. But if someone continues to do that to us, we can become weary. Paul is telling us in the midst of this to be patient, be kind, be compassionate and gentle, put on love. We've seen if we put on love as Jesus commanded us to do, we're able to put others first. And if we put others first, it gives us the ability to put up with their behaviors. In the passage on love in 1 Corinthians 13, the first virtue mentioned of love is patience. From verse four onwards, it says, love is patient. It then goes on to say, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, 
it keeps no record of wrongs. If we're patient and put on love, we will have the capacity to accept and tolerate the behavior and suffer quietly without becoming annoyed. And if we're able to do this, we won't retaliate. In fact, we might do the opposite. Bless the person you're finding it difficult to bear with. Go up to them, encourage them, and lift them up. There's actually been several times in my life, and particularly when I was a new Christian, that I went out of my way to be kind to someone when I was struggling to bear with them. Sometimes I just prayed for them. But by doing this, some of those situations changed. And I'm not sure if that person actually knew about the change, but I did. And in some cases, I've been amazed at how positive a difference it's made between us. Forgiveness. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Oh, forgiveness is even harder. How can you forgive someone who's done something so awful to you it hurts every single moment of every single day? We see it's our right to bear grudges and hurt those who hurt us. It's a form of self-protection and self-preservation. However, it can lead to bitterness, resentfulness, anger, and even despair. It eats away at our hearts and hurts so much. Love is the key to forgiveness. Remembering how much Jesus has forgiven you. His infinite love and forgiveness can help us love and forgive others. Ask yourself this question. Does God hold a grudge against you? The answer is no. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> he loves you despite all the wrong things you've done. Some of you may remember the IRA bombing in Enniskillen in 1987. Gordon Wilson was lying under the rubble with his daughter, Marie. They were holding hands. Marie didn't survive, but Gordon did. And only a few hours after the bombing, Gordon was interviewed by the BBC. And in the interview, he said, I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge. He'd forgiven the terrorists for what they'd done in that town and to his daughter and begged that no one take revenge for his daughter's death. He made a choice not to bear bitterness. This astounded the public and in a small but significant way led the way to achieving peace in Northern Ireland. He never forgot that awful day, probably the worst day in his life. He must have constantly missed his daughter, but he chose willingly to forgive and move on. No grudges, no bitterness, just love and the promise to pray for those who'd wronged him. Forgiveness is powerful, freeing and healing and shows love in action in the most incredible way. Putting on love also leads to peace, peace in action. If we can bear with one another, if we forgive one another, peace between us will inevitably follow. It says in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. This doesn't mean that all of a sudden our differences will disappear between us. <laughs> no, they'll stay present, but we will learn to love despite our differences. As Christians, we're brought together by Christ and under Christ. He's the one thing that connects us together. It's our relationship with Christ that brings us together, even if we don't agree on much, for example, politics, but I'm not going to go there today. As the saying goes, we have to agree to disagree and make a decision to live in peace. Loving one another gives us that ability to do that. The attitude of peace that Paul's speaking about in this passage actually means to umpire or referee in our hearts if we put on love, this will help to leading us to love one another in our speech and actions, and in a turn will return, and in turn will re result in peace between one another. 
I love the, me the message version of this verse. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Being in tune and in step with one another leads to unity. Unity glorifies God and it also brings blessing to us as a people in the church. And it's a witness to the world around us. The fourth benefit of putting on love is within teaching and admonishing one another. Verse 16 says, And let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Putting on love will be able enable us to teach and discipline one another in a way that's kind, gentle and caring in manner. Caring enough to lovingly speak the truth even when you'd rather gloss over a problem or ignore an issue. It can actually help a person from harming themselves or stop them continuing to sin. This letter that we've just read, the letter to the Colossians, is a good example of how we can be loving, gentle and encouraging the way we talk to others about how to walk a Christian life. We too need to put on love when instructing others how to follow Jesus wholeheartedly without distractions or deviations away from the actual true message of the gospel. I like the way Paul says, let the message of Christ dwell among you. And the main message of Christ is love. His love for his people. So I'm just going to change this verse slightly and say, let the love of Christ dwell among you. And if the love of Christ dwells among you, it will be so embedded in your heart that it will take control of your thinking and actions. The outcome of this will be that you'll love others as Christ loves you and you'll teach and admonish in loving ways. Finally, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to be looking at the benefits of putting on love. We've seen the results of putting on love and how we can live in peace with one another. The benefits of living in peace result in healthy relationships between one another. And in the next section of our passage today, Paul speaks to certain members of society explaining how they should relate to one another. In every relationship we have, we should put on love and behave towards each other with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience and bear with one another and forgive one another. And in verse 17, immediately before the section on rules for households, Paul says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. With this in mind, we'll look at how Paul talked specifically about family relationships and those between masters and their slaves. So family relationships, verses 18 to 21. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Within family relationships, those between husbands and wives, children and fathers, or possibly parents, Paul talks of submission, love, obedience, and encouragement, or lack of discouragement. These attributes or characteristics that Paul's talking about are duties something that is expected of us. It's therefore our responsibility to act in the way Paul has directed. Paul is asking us to do something positive in our relationship with the other member of the family. He's not telling us to expect submission, love, obedience or encouragement first. He's actually expecting us to do our part and our part only. In fact, we've no right to expect the other person to be giving. We should do what is asked of us only. In being submissive, obedient, encouraging or loving, 
We are then putting on love in our family relationships. We are acting in love because you love someone who will submit, obey, and encourage. Put on love in your relationships at home. Start practicing as Paul suggests. The rest will follow. Masters and slaves, slaves, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. It was common for slavery to be part of life at the time Paul wrote this letter. Today it's not so common, but we can put these principles of what Paul's talking about between masters and slaves into our workplace. Whatever our role, the basis of our attitude in work should be shown in, by love in practical ways. Since creation, God has given us work to do, and this is how life's sustained. We work to keep the planet going, we know it to keep us alive. So we've all got a part to play in that. If God has put us here for a reason, if he has given us something, if he's given us everything, it's our act of worship towards him to serve him in everything we do. Verse 23, Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Our work may be repetitive, it might be boring, dull and interesting, but if we see that we're doing it for God, it changes our perspective, it changes our expectations. Our salary ambitions or pleasing the boss shouldn't be our main aim. Our main aim should be to please God because as Christians we're working for God and we're serving in absolutely everything we do. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you have a master in heaven. Bosses should also aim to please God in their work and care for their staff with love. Following Jesus as their example too, to serve their employers and treat them well. Putting on love before going to work, whether that's inside the house or outside, is vitally important. Challenges can bombard you one after another, or sometimes even at the same time, and acting in love in each situation will help you and your colleagues and be a great witness to the world of God in action. Love in all these relationships is shown by behaviour in situations we're placed in. It's not about what others may do to us, it's about what we do. It's about us making a choice to put on love as God would want us to do it. Loving others first. So how do we start with putting on this love? Well, firstly, we need to allow God to love us. Understand how much God loves you. We've sung about it this morning. Remember in verse, um, in 1 John, verse, in chapter 4, where I read about, this is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. I can't emphasize how much God loves you, but he does love you so much, and it's unconditional love. It's wider, higher, deeper than even I can express. And as you learn to accept and grow in this love, you'll gain a deeper and deeper sense of what it means to be loved by our awesome God. Secondly, choose to put on love. Make a conscious effort to put on love. It's not that romantic love, a feeling that makes you act in a certain way towards that person because you love them. It's an act of the will. As Don Francisco, if any of you remember him, used to sing, <laughs> love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. 
I'm sure we all want to love one another, but we're easily distracted by our own busyness, other concerns, we just forget. We can choose to put on love. Maybe talk to yourself as you actually put your clothes on each day. Remind yourself that as you put your clothes on, you're putting God's love on too. God's love to be with you each and every day. And thirdly, think, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus act in this situation that you're faced with? How would he demonstrate his love in this situation? A couple of weeks ago, we had Glenn Balfour with us, and he was challenging us on perspectives on certain things in our lives. One of these was, have you a good perspective on God's people? Think about the actions you take, and make sure they're the correct ones, the loving ones. At times when we mess up, not love someone in a situation that we should have done, recognize this. Ask God to forgive you. Ask the other person to forgive you if it seems appropriate, and then move on. God will forgive you. He'll also help you not to do the same thing again if that's the desire of your heart. Be like Jesus in everything you say and do. He is in you. Tap into him constantly and he will help you and guide you to love those around you. So in conclusion, learning to love as Jesus loves unselfishly, it's not an easy task. It's opposite to our self-centered nature. That's why we're given a lifetime to learn it. God wants us to love everyone but is particularly concerned that we love everybody in the church family. And it's in loving others that we're most like him. So to honour him and bring him glory, our heart's desire must be to do his will. Let's learn to love others more and more. Let's allow God to forgive you when you fail to act in loving manners towards one another and keep practising. You'll never fail if your heart's desire is to love. As Rick Warren says in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, Love should be your first priority. Love is not a good part of your life. It's the most important part. Let love be your aim. Let's aim to love more and more. Let's put on love each day. And let's allow Christ's love to be such an obvious part of your life that others will see him and his love demonstrated in your life.